have ministered to our hearts. Amen. Take your Bible and turn to Psalm 92. I want to finish what I started last night. I, I started preaching last night uh, in Psalm 92, and we dealt with the palm tree. If you were not here, you need to get a copy of the CD. That's all I can tell you. You can explain it all you want, but you had to be here. You had to see that man running down the aisle with a palm branch shouting, say amen. It just, you can't explain it. It don't, it don't transfer good. But tonight I want to deal with the cedar tree. Psalm 92, if you have your Bibles, look with me. I'm not going to read the entire text that I read to you last night. Verses 1 to 5 deals with the righteous. By the way, this was a psalm of praise. They sang this psalm in the house of God. And verses number 6 through verse number 11, he deals with the wicked man, the brutish man, the Bible calls him. And then when you get down to verse number 12, he turns his attention back to the righteous. Last night we dealt with this first part of verse 12, but I want to read it again. The righteous shall flourish like the what? The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a, here it is, cedar in Lebanon. The Bible says in verse 13, those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Boy, that's powerful right there. If you ever went to one of these motels that has what they call a courtyard, they spend a lot of money preparing that courtyard in its attractiveness. As a matter of fact, if you'll go into some of these high-end hotels, I'm talking about five-star hotels, been very few times I've ever stayed there. It's always been on somebody else's dime, not mine. But you'll walk in there and you'll have this marble top desk and you'll have these, uh, I'm talking about high-end lighting and, and then you'll go just beyond that and many of them will have an open area that you can walk into like right in the middle of the thing and it will be a, a huge courtyard and it will be decorated with the best shrubbery and the best trees and, and the best flowers. Here's what he said. You need to get a hold of that thought for a minute. He said in verse 13, those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Ain't that wonderful say man that God's going to put you in his courtyard one day. He's going to use you to adorn the place. He's going to use you to brighten up the place. He's going to use you to pick up the appearance of the place. Hallelujah that's how God thinks about you tonight. Say amen. Don't get the concept that God's all ticked off and though there are times when God deals with us as a father to a child. But ain't you glad that God's eye looks beyond the, the imperfection and he sees the finished product and he says the righteous will be planted and they'll be in the courts of our God. They will flourish in the courts of our God. Now notice what the Bible says in verse 14. I love this. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. The devil's lied to some of you and said it's over. It's not over. They shall be fat and flourishing. Verse 15 is the whole key to the text to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. I'm interested tonight in verse 12 where he said this. He said the righteous shall flourish like the plum. He shall be planted like the cedar of Lebanon. I want to preach tonight on this subject, trees in the house of God, and I'm dealing with cedar trees tonight. 
Father, I thank you again. I thank you for the power. I thank you for your presence. And God, I certainly thank you that the Spirit of God is moving in this place. And I pray that you'll take the Word of God, lift it up off the ordinary pages of just white page and Lord give it life tonight. I pray God it will breathe life into the hearer and we'll thank you in Jesus name and all God's children said as I did my study on trees in the Bible I found out as I told you last night it is amazing and intriguing to study the trees in the Bible all the way from the all gum tree to the wormwood tree there are 37 different trees mentioned in the Bible there are seven fruits mentioned in the Bible, seven vegetables and seven flowers, and there are numerous spices mentioned throughout the Word of God. It's interesting when you study the Bible. Last night I talked about uh, the trees that started with ours. I dealt with the tree of rebellion. But you know in the Garden of Eden there was a forbidden tree. I'm not going to deal with that tonight. In the, in the Garden of Eden there was one tree that God said you cannot touch. It was forbidden. But God also designed trees according to Leviticus chapter number 26 in Ezekiel 34 that he used just for fruit. He designed some trees that they might be fruit bearing to be a blessing to people. There are some trees according to Isaiah 44 that he used for fuel to, to, to heat up homes and to, and to start fires so people could burn and they could uh, cook their food with. And so some were used for fuel. According to Deuteronomy 20 and verse 20 some trees in the Bible were used for forts and fortresses. But when you come to Psalm 92 I see that God uses two trees as a figure I dealt with one of them last night the palm tree but tonight I want to deal with the cedar tree when you study the cedar tree it's amazing to study and find out what the Bible says about cedar trees 75 times in the word of God the word cedar or cedars is mentioned I believe it's 51 times cedar and 24 times it's mentioned as cedars and so 75 times 70 different passages in the Word of God deal with the cedar tree. The cedar tree became a subject of interest in the day of Solomon. When Solomon got ready to build a temple, he instructed the men to cross over the Mediterranean Sea and go to the forest of Lebanon and cut down the big, huge cedar trees and bring them across the Mediterranean so he could use them to build the house of God. We know that Solomon got interested in the cedar tree as a matter of fact he made a statement in the book of 2nd Chronicles 1 and 15 he said he wanted to make the cedar tree as plenteous in Jerusalem and his words were as the sycamore fig tree and the shepula he was interested in the cedar tree as a matter of fact we know not only did he build the temple out of the cedar tree he built his palace out of the cedar tree we know that David built his palace out of the cedar tree and when Ezra rebuilt the temple later on he used cedar to build the temple of God. What's amazing is, is they would take those big cedar trees and they made big beams in the house of God. Then they would use those cedars and they would make floor joists with them. And they would build wall studs. They inlaid those cedar beams in gold. Wasn't it what a picture of the 
gospel of Jesus Christ. The cedar is inlaid in gold, a picture of the gospel being inlaid in the thing he compares you and me to. Thank God for the cedar tree. But as you think about the cedar tree, do you know something? If the wall stud begins to buckle, the house is going to bend. If the floor joist begins to give, the house is going to turn. If the ceiling beam begins to fall, the house isn't going to make it. And so here's what I want to stop and do for a minute. I believe that every Christian in this place tonight, listen to me, is a floor joist. I believe that every Christian is a ceiling beam or a wall stud. And by the way, you can't see the wall studs, but they're there. They may be behind a sheetrock wall, but they are there. You can't see floor joists in a house, but they are there. And without the floor joists and without the wall stud and without the ceiling beams, there would be no house. And so can I tell you that you have a place and therefore you should grow like a cedar in Lebanon. I noticed three traits about the cedar tree I think will make you appreciate the fact that God says the righteous shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Here's what I want to do tonight. First of all, I want to magnify the characteristics of a cedar tree. There are two main lines of thought that I want you to see tonight. Number one, I want you to notice with me the first characteristic. I want to talk about the makeup of a cedar tree. Do you know the cedar tree is interesting? Its color is red. If you ever cut into cedar wood, you'll find out that a cedar is red in color. Isn't it interesting that God compared you to a tree that when you cut it is red in color? It's a perfect picture of what you and I have been covered with tonight as children of God. We have been covered by the blood of Jesus. Amen. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Ain't you glad that God chose to use a tree representative of the color of the blood of Calvary and by the way thank God there wouldn't be a person that could stand redeemed you couldn't stand righteous you couldn't stand justified without having come through the blood it is red in color they also tell me that its smell is fragrant if you ever cut a piece of cedar wood there's going to be somebody say something smells good there's something about the cedar when it's cut that puts off a fragrance that draws other people to its great smell. Can I stop and tell you that's the way children of God ought to be. We ought to have a fragrance that we put off that people say there's something different about you. We ought to be like Mary. We ought to have the alabaster box of ointment all over us so much so that it goes out the windows of the house. It goes into the streets where we live and people will want to stop by and just find out what the smell is coming out of the living rooms of our homes. In the hearts of our homes, we ought to be putting off a fragrance that draws people in. It's got a fragrant smell. Its wood is durable. They tell me that the best building comes from building out of a cedar. They tell me that it can get up to 100 foot tall. It can get its girth, that means the limb, can get out to 40 foot wide and the trunks many times up to 6 foot in diameter. Can I stop and tell you, I'm talking about solid, brother. And you know what? As children of God, we ought to endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. We ought to be stout and we ought to be tough and we ought to be able to be resilient and stand up to the heat and the battle of the fight. Hallelujah. He said their wood is durable. They also say that about cedar trees, their foliage is 
always green. It doesn't take a vacation from greenness. It's green 365. Isn't it interesting? The palm's green 365. So is the cedar tree. But here's one I think you'll like. It has male and female cones. Isn't it interesting that even the cedar trees knows what's natural? Are y'all with me? Say amen. I didn't see two male cones hanging out of the limb hugging. Are y'all with me? Say amen. It's got male and female. You know why? It's designed by a creator that understands the makeup of the chemistry of man. Can I ask you a question? Ain't you glad for the cedar tree and the characteristic it's makeup? But number two, I want you to notice the characteristic that I see tonight. I see it's maturity. You see, I see a cedar tree, they tell me, grows best at an altitude of 6,500 to 8,000 feet above a sea level. They tell me the best growing for cedar trees is done on high altitudes in the mountains. I was studying this, Brother Johnny, and they tell me that the cedar trees grow so good on the mountaintops that literally their root systems will grow down and grow around the rocks so that the rock becomes its stability. The rock becomes a thing that keeps it from getting blown over in the middle of a storm. You will very rarely see a cedar tree in a high altitude mountain ever laying on its side. Even with great hurricanes, even with great winds, even with great snows, even when the ice comes, it stands resolute. You know why? Because it grows best at high altitudes. Can I stop and tell you, brother, we just had the presence of God ministered to some people in this place and we was in another altitude. We kicked it up to another level in here tonight. When you reared back and started singing and you didn't care who was on your right and you didn't care who was on your left and it didn't matter if you sang off cue or not you just gave God the best you could. All of a sudden you elevated yourself above this plane and you got above sea level and there was something about that altitude. You know the reason why churches that have the presence of God in them are growing and they seem to be solid and they seem to be mature is because when you get up at a high altitude you don't like low altitudes anymore. You don't like living on the bottom of the sea. You like living on the mountaintop. That's why I gotta have it high. That's why I gotta have it hot. That's why I gotta have it with Him in it. Hallelujah because if you got it high and you got it hot and you got it with Him it's way up there brother and it's going to be a good place to live say amen Woo! hallelujah it grows best in high altitudes also they tell me the mature, I'm talking about the maturity of it I'm going somewhere y'all stay with me it offers good shelter for those that are underneath it. They tell me that it's a good place for somebody to take refuge from the snow or the rain or the wind it's branches here's the amazing thing about it they tell me that when it turns cold, something inside the cedar tree, <laughs> wink, wink, are y'all with me? Say amen. Says, turn your little parasail branches straight up because you're fixing to have a load you're not used to carrying. Hello, say amen right there. 
and those branches turn up. They tell me they turn up like a parasail when the snows are coming. That's the reason why the ancients like to have cedar trees because it would change with the change of the weather temperatures and they knew that winter was coming and the snows were about to fall. It's almost like the cedar tree, Brother Eddie says this. Brother, lay it on me. I'm turning my branches up toward heaven. Give me all you can give me. And there have been times in my Christian life when it came down heavy and the burden was deep but thanks be unto God when I turned my little parasails toward heaven and I started looking up heavenward I could deal with the weight I could deal with the burden I could deal with the frigidness I could deal with the cold I could deal with everything that was being thrown at me thank God here's what you ought to do every now and then just throw your little parasail hands up toward heaven and give God some glory. If you're glad of that, put your hands together in the house of God tonight. <laughs> Woo, I like this one. I'm talking about its maturity now. Y'all with me? Say amen. Its odor is a repellent for insects. They tell me you don't need orchid when you got a cedar chest. Hallelujah. Say amen. Brother Johnny said the studs in the walls of his house have got cedar in them. You know why? Because you ain't got to worry about a termite getting in them. Hallelujah. Thanks be unto God. He didn't compare us to a pine tree that'll have a pine beetle in it. And he didn't compare me to a palmetto bush. Are y'all women say amen? He compared me to a cedar. He said the righteous shall grow like a cedar. And we have a repellent for the insects of hell. When the creatures come crawling up out of the pit, they say don't mess with that wood it don't taste good you won't like what you got stay away from that one that one right there has got something inside of him that'll kill you if you try to bite him hallelujah I say thanks be unto God I have got something in me on me and through me that repels hell off of me say amen <laughs> oh you gonna like this one though here's what shocked me I was studying this and I was looking at pictures of cedar trees. This next one's what's amazing. It yields to its neighbor. They tell me you can plant two cedar trees side by side and one will yield to the other one. Instead of the one on the right saying, I'm going to take over, this is my space, and growing into it, Instead of the one on the other side saying, I can't believe you got this close to me and start ramming its branches through it. You know what it does? It says, I'll let you grow out that way. I'll grow out this way. And when somebody looks at us from a distance, they'll think we're just one tree. Are you with me? Say amen. They yield. They have an affinity for each other. And if you cut one of them down, the other one looks lopsided. Can I stop and give you some good news from heaven? We need each other. We got to grow beside each other. Hey, listen, there's no big guys and little yous I'm not taking over your spot you're not taking over my spot we growing together and when we grow together we become one tree in Jesus name and I say the church of God ought to get happy and realize this we need you you need me and we need each other and if we'll grow together ain't no telling what this world will see in you and me give God some glory if you're glad for the neighbor sitting beside you in the house of God. Hallelujah. It's maturity. It's also, are y'all getting some tonight? Say amen. It's also used in ceremonies and burials. They tell me that they would take the shavings of a cedar tree and put it in the tombs of the pharaohs. 
They said its resin would be used to mummify dead bodies. Even in the Bible, God used a cedar tree. When a person had been cleansed of leprosy, God instructed Moses to take cedar shavings and the bark of cedar trees as a ceremony that the leper had been cleansed. When a young man would be circumcised, they would take the bark and they would wrap him in the bark of a cedar tree. They also tell me, tradition says, that on the new year they would go on the top of the Mount of Olives and they would burn a cedar tree representing it's a new year and we're putting off a new fragrance and it's going to be a great year in Jesus' name. Are y'all with me? Say amen. I want to ask you this question tonight. Ain't you glad that God said the righteous shall be planted like a cedar. If you want to be like the cedar tree tonight, just put your hands together right now one more time and give God some glory in the house of God. The characteristics of a cedar tree. Number two, I want to not only magnify their characteristics. Number two, I want to make a comparison. When you study cedar trees, you'll find out there are so many different species. There's the eastern red cedar. There's the Lebanon cedar. But here's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in knowing about the trees that Jesus would have been talking about in his day. A friend of mine had the privilege of going to the Holy Land. I've never had the opportunity to go. I'm sure your mission director maybe has on all the trips that he's taken. But he said that he was asking his tour guide he said, I asked the tour guide what kind of cedar trees are the ones that are most prevalent in Jerusalem today. The tour guide said, well, there's four different types of cedar trees. He said, first of all, the first type of cedar tree that you'll see is what they call little cedars. He said, these cedars are not going to be massive and big. They're not going to be huge. He said these particular cedars were often used to line the, the pastures where the, where, the, where the shepherds would keep their sheep. They would use them as fence posts along the pastures out there. And he said many of them, Brother Eddie, were deformed. They were crooked. They were, they, they were knotted. They were not planed off. They were not pretty to look at. He said many of them would be rejects by most people. He said, but it wouldn't be unusual to see them piled up in a big pile in a wagon going down the cobblestone streets in a buggy. And he said, what's so unusual about them is if you grab one of those little twisted, knotted up, bent, crooked cedars and you tried to pull it off the back of that wagon, something happened. Instead of that one cedar coming off, it was so tangled up in the rest of them that they all just came off together. Isn't that amazing how God puts us together? Say amen. I got to thinking about people in my life. Many of you know that I have a friend by the name of Brother John Mick. He's a prayer warrior. Unusual. He's not with me this week, and, and obviously I can tell when he's not with me and tell when he is with me. He's a blessing. And uh, he's not your normal guy. As a matter of fact, the first time I ever met him was in the basement of a church in Tennessee. 
He had been in about a four-hour prayer meeting with God by himself. And if you ever get around Brother John Mick and he's been praying that long, he's got this big white ball of spit, both corners of his mouth, where he's been talking to God. And his eyes are like this. And he's doing something like this. God is helping us. God is helping us. God is helping us. I come down the basement out of the sanctuary in a church in Tennessee, and I'm walking down through the basement area, and he come out of the dark room with white spit on the both sides of his mouth. Going, God is helping us. God is helping us. I thought, good, God, I only never met this man, but please don't bite me, sir. the first time I ever met him then I realized that he'd been with God he came to me sometime later we were at a at, at a meeting together and he came to me he'd been praying he said brother Kenny God's been talking to me he said he's told me to travel with you I said if God said travel with me you better travel with me then I reckon amen he said God has spoke to him clearly. He hadn't been with me much this year. He's been going through some situations at home. But God's put people in my life like that that others would think. Or look. There was a young lady in that same church. Her name was Tiffany Stout. Good friends of my daughter. She came to me later. She run into him too. Had never met him. She said, Brother Kenny, there's a crazy man in the basement. I said, he's not crazy. He's okay. He's just been with God. I want to introduce you to two people. Here's a man I'm going to show you up here on the screen. His name is Paul Barker in a wheelchair. Brother Paul Barker is a man that has influenced me and impacted me for many years. As a matter of fact, Brother Paul Barker was a man that served on my board for a number of years. He has supported our ministry uh, for probably the last 15 years at $75 a month. Every month I can count on a check coming from Paul Barker. This man is a prayer warrior. He loves God. He, at one time, I remember he was serving in a church at Camp Pickney Baptist in Folkestone. He was doing an intercessory prayer ministry from 7 to 3 every day. He was uh, 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 teaching in the R.A. Boys on Wednesday night. He would sing in the choir. They would pull his, his chair up on the platform. He would sing with them in the choir. He would do a jail ministry every Thursday at 3 o'clock. Every second Saturday of the month, he held an intercessory prayer meeting at somebody's house in the church. Uh, many a Thursday night, I pulled him up backwards into somebody's trailer as we pulled him up inside of the trailer so he could witness to somebody for Jesus. He was a teacher. He served on the church's pulpit committee. He went with me on a seven-week mission trip. Hey, can I stop and tell you, when I think about people, I think about somebody that's not very planed off and not somebody that's not very smooth, but somebody that loves God with all their heart. And I promise you, in the courts of our God... There's a special place that God's got for the man of God. Say amen. They introduce you to another young man. His name is Blake Cain. To the natural person looking at him, they would say, man, he's a handful. I got a call the other day. I was in a fishing boat with, <laughs> with Brother Larry Finley. <laughs> Go figure, Larry Finley fishing. My phone rang, and I picked it up, and it was Blake's daddy. His daddy said, Brother Kenny, I'm all excited. I said, what's going on, Brother Randy? He said, We're, we preached at a new prison last night, and Blake wants you to come preach in December at the prison. This guy? 
he got a trach. They feed him in a tube in his stomach. He don't even talk. But he's got a prison ministry. And every month he tells his daddy who he wants to come in and preach for him in this December. And I'll, I'll drive up there and they'll go in there and his arms are bent. His legs are twisted and his mind is as sharp as. And we'll walk in that little prison house. I've been with him before up in the prison house up in Kentucky. We're going to another federal prison now. A new one they just got into. Hallelujah. Say amen. And he'll walk in there with them bent, twisted legs and he'll hug them prisoners and we'll see God sit down in that little old place. You know what? He ain't, he ain't very plain doll. He's got a few knots. But God said, I'll use you as a fence post to line the fields for the sheep. I said, thank God for the little cedars. There's also what they call not only the little cedars. You see with me the fire cedars. They are cedars that the shepherds would get. They would check them and the ends of them would be running out with sap. You know what the Bible says in Psalm and another place it says the righteous are full of sap. In other words, there's stuff running out of them. You know what they do? They'd take these cedars that had the sap running out both ends. They would use, use them to light the fire so that the shepherds would stay warm in the middle of the night. Hey, can I stop and tell you, there's been a many a shepherd stay warm beside somebody's fire that's been lit. There's somebody in here tonight, your life is cold, but some dear saying to God, full of the sap of God, lit a fire in your midst, and you felt the presence and the warmth of God. There are fire cedars. Stay on fire for God. I'm making a comparison tonight. I'm going to give you one more, and I'll move to my last point. You see not only the fire cedar and the little cedar, but you see what they call the humming cedar. The humming cedar was a cedar that many believe that David tuned his harp underneath. They said the winds would blow through these cedars and they would make noises and the different noises gave David the ability to tune his heart by them. Sometimes in your life you can't do nothing but hum as the presence of God is in your life and runs through your life. Hallelujah, say amen. Can I ask you this question tonight? How many of you would say there have been times in my life when nobody understood me, all I could do was hum? And as I hummed, there was something in heaven that resonated and understood exactly what I was going through. On this piano over here, that organ to this piano over here, there are certain keys. And if I go over here and hit a certain key, it may or may not be on tonight. Those pianos have strings in them. They tell me that if there's another instrument in the room that's of the same key that when you hit a certain key on this piano that other instrument that's in the same key begins to resonate and vibrate it's called sympathetic resonance the Bible says for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was in all points Listen, tempted as we are, yet the Bible says, yet without sin, it says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched. The word touch is the word sympathetic resonance. The idea behind that is every time you're down here and you're hurting and you hit a key, there's something in heaven that resonates with him. 
There's a, there's, a, there's a sympathetic resonance between you and Jesus in heaven. And the reason why I say that is because when you're humming and you can't say anything and you're weeping and you're crying and it's the middle of the night, weeping may endure for the night, but hallelujah, say to God, joy cometh in the morning. Hallelujah, say amen. I ask you this question tonight. Ain't you glad for the comparison of the cedar tree? Stephen, I want you to make your way to the piano. Man, to stay up there a minute. I'll have you come down in a moment. But I want to do one more tonight. Can I give you one more point about the one more trait about the cedar tree? Can I do that? Say amen. You see, I made a comparison. I magnified a characteristic. Let me give you this. Let me mark a completion. Why in the world would God compare you to a cedar tree? Here's the reason why. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. In just a minute, somebody needs to come to an altar and say, God, I'm getting old and I feel like I ain't bearing as much fruit as I could. But God, you promised that I would still bear fruit in my old age. Hey, Caleb was 85 when he said, give me this mountain. Uh, Joshua was 90 and he said, there's still very much land to be possessed. Listen, Moses was 80 when God used him to lead the children of Israel, 3 million Jews out of bondage. Can I tell you you ain't number 40. Praise God. Pick up your head. You still got some time left. If you're 70, if you're 80 keep on going for God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and and he said you're going to do it with a blessing. Say amen. Here's the reason why. Here's the completion. To show that the Lord is upright. That he is my rock and there's no unrighteousness in him. Look at this. You see regeneration. He said they that be anything son. They that be planted in the house of the Lord. You see regeneration. You see growth. Shall flourish in the courts of our God. You see usefulness. Shall still bring forth fruit in old age. You see perseverance. Old age. <laughs> And you see purpose to show that the Lord is upright. The reason why God's letting you do what you do right now is all for him. Say amen. To show that the Lord is upright, that he is your rock, and that there is no unrighteousness in him. Here's my question tonight. How many of you want to be like a cedar in Lebanon? Oh God, would you make me mature? Would you help me grow next to my other brothers and sisters in Christ? And not magnify myself, but God yield to my brother in Christ. Oh God, would you let me put off a fragrance, Lord, that would be pleasing, that would have a, a pleasantness about it. Oh God, would you let me have the, the true colors of who I am representing me so that nobody knows, so nobody has the question who I am or whom I belong to. Maybe tonight you would say with me, preacher, I want to be that cedar tree in the house of God. Oh, this is a time for application. I have, I have been in the ministry and teaching calls. Listen, teaching will convey truth. Preaching calls for a decision. Here's what I'm asking you to do tonight. Put some shoe leather to what you've just heard in your ear and that's affected your heart and say, God, I want to be that cedar tree until the day I die. Help me to be planted in the courts of our God. Help me to be the cedar for the glory of God. My daughter's coming. My son's playing. I wonder how many Christians
would take just a minute around the altar. I've preached two nights on trees in the house of God and say, preacher, I want to be the cedar in the house of our God. Would you come right now over the building and join me in the altar? Come on right now. God bless you. My daughter's fixing to sing. She's making her way down. All over the building, come on. Trees in the house of our God. If you're unsaved tonight, you need to become <laughs> you need to become a tree in the house of God. The only way you're going to become that tree is to be covered in the blood of Jesus. I'm going to have her sing a verse and then we'll pray. Thank God for cedar trees. Thank God for cedar trees. Quickly. Little ones. Oh, yes, they are weak. <laughs> but he is strong. Oh, God, thank you tonight. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, God, that I was regenerated. <laughs> Thank you, God, you let me flourish. You let me grow. <laughs> Thank you, God, you made me useful. You let me bear fruit. And God, as I get older, I'm persevering through the difficulties. And Thank you for the...